When your company faces a workplace harassment, discrimination, or misconduct issue, how can you solve it quickly and equitably? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. And joining us to answer that question is Jared Pope. Jared is co-founder and CEO at WorkShield, and that's what they're working on. And we'd like to learn more about what they're doing and how you can solve this problem, because inevitably these days, you will have one of these things happen. Even if you don't think you will, they'll pop up out of someplace. So, Jared, welcome. Hey, David. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure. So you describe yourself as a recovering lawyer. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I am an attorney and grew up in Texas, went to TCU, my alma mater there, and ended up in Dallas in law school at SMU. And practice law, got really interested in HR and benefits and ERISA while I was practicing law at Baker Botts and left there and became a general counsel of an insurance agency here in Dallas. And from that, really started to understand the idea of employers and HR benefits, culture side of things. And with that, really got excited about how do we help HR? How do we help companies with their culture, with their benefits, and not only from a legal side, but then from a business side? And then fast forward a couple of years, the company sold. I started my own law firm at the time. This was back in 2011, 2012, and started a couple of ventures and got really excited about being an entrepreneur. And uh, lo and behold, about five years ago, started WorkShield almost five years ago, come February, and declared, okay, I'm a recovering lawyer now because I, I have a, another company that fully vested in and working all the time. So it's uh, that's where the recovering attorney comes from. Well, as a recovering musician, I empathize. So let's talk a little bit about the problem because I don't think this is something that most entrepreneurs or business people go through their day thinking about. And yet, it's always kind of out there and it can be a mess. So talk a little bit about the problem from a 10,000 foot level. Yeah. You know, the easy way to think about this problem, you know, a lot of people watch TV. So they see Mad Men or The Office and I often joke around and say, hey, those are the two things telling people what not to do when it comes to workplace culture, harassment, discrimination, misconduct. And back in 2017, when the Harvey Weinstein movement happened, the Me Too movement happened, I really sat down and just kind of asked the question, you know, what's going on? Like, why is this happening? Why is this not being fixed? Is there a broken system in the world today? Because it's not like, hey, all of a sudden people started harassing people, people started discriminating against people. It's been going on forever. 
But at the same time, employers, when they were forced to address this or having to address this, the attorneys would just say, hey, you know what, let's put a check the box compliance document in place, put in a a hotline that they can call anonymously or not. But that is where we found the problem. And that problem is when an employee who's been harassed or discriminated against has to call that hotline or go to their manager or go to their supervisor to raise their issue, well, guess who's investigating it? The employer. And so that's why all of a sudden when I started doing research, you know, 75% of the issues don't get reported due to fear of retaliation or fear of being ridiculed or fear of losing their job. And at that point, I realized, okay, there's got to be a better way to manage this to not only protect the culture, but allow the employee a psychologically safe space to raise their voice, but also allow the company to protect the company as well as too. And that's how Workshop was born. In addition to all of that, in a lot of companies, at least in my experience, I've been doing this for quite a while, that process, once a complaint is lodged, that process can take forever in seven days, or at least it sure seems like it. Is that also part of the problem that you see? Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the biggest problems with these internal investigations that companies do is the average turnaround time from the moment someone raises their voice and reports an issue to when it's solved is about 25 to 30 days. And that's on the fast side. That's on the super fast side. The average is actually longer than that. But on a conservative fast side, it's about 25 to 30 days. And so when you hear about news reports in the, in the media, you see on the front page, XYZ is getting sued, or so-and-so is raising their voice, they have a, a lawsuit filed against them. All of these common denominators of these lawsuits and actions and penalties, it comes down to one thing, and it's this. Well, I told my boss they didn't do anything. I told my manager they didn't do anything. I told HR, and you know what? It took forever for them to even look into it. And so what happens during that 25 or 30 days? Well, I become resentful. I become content with my company? Do they really care about me? Do they hear my voice? To where I'm so fed up where the individual just says, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go sue them. And you can't take it back. And so the idea was, geez, if we could really focus in on handling these issues, not in 25 or 30 days, but less than a week, I think we would have a real solution here. And and that's what WorkShield has done. Is the problem at the employer level in large measure the fact that, you know, it's not something they handle every day and so there really aren't procedures and policies in place? Well, you know, they have policies and procedures in place. The the hard part is HR. And HR is, I feel bad for them because they get a bad rap. And they're always overworked, underpaid all the time. And and if generally when a manager or an executive says, well, who's going to handle this? It's always, oh, HR can do it. Right. And so here you go. They got everything on their plate. And when something like this occurs, they're what should happen is should they really stop everything and go address it, go investigate it, go do it? The reality is they just don't do it. And that's okay. That's, you know, it's no fault to them because they have all of these other demands on their jobs. They have lives as well. They have families, uh, you know, they get back to, they have kids and, and spouses and outside activities. And so 
all while at the same time going, well, I got to make sure open enrollment is done. I got to make sure HR business partners, they're doing their daily functions. And so what this causes is it may not be at the top of the list or it may be at the top of the list, but it's competing for shelf space, which one gets attention. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day or days in the week to actually address all of them. And so HR is really in a hard space right now because with the climate that we're in today, they're being asked to do way more than what they're getting paid for and what they have time for. And so that's really the crux of it. It's the policies and procedures are probably there for most companies, but are they actually following it? Probably not. Are they doing the best they can? Probably not. And why is there's just not enough time for those companies to really focus in on it. They're not hyper-focused and have a hyper-care model. What's the number one complaint that you guys are, are handling for employers? Is, is there one that rises to the top that you see more often than maybe others? You know, we get a lot of harassment. Kind of the top two are harassing and bullying from that perspective. Discrimination is, is a third part of it. And, you know, it's interesting. We've seen a trend early on in our legacy we saw a lot of trend where it was male-on-male male harassment and also female-on-male harassment. That was one of our biggest incident intakes. And it's kind of shifted where it's even now. You got female-on-male, male-on-female, female-female, and male-male all together. But that harassment side of it, the bullying side of it is really rising to the top. And some of this comes back to where are we in an industry today? Well, today you had people working remote. After COVID, you have some companies saying, come back to the office. You have some, some companies with hybrid. You have this huge mix of people that used to work from home. They would talk to each other on Zoom, turn off their cameras, and now they're back in the office. How do you operate with other people in the office? And sometimes that can lead to tension. Sometimes that can lead to, hey, how do we re-engage with our colleagues? What can be said or not said appropriately? And, you know, there's tension. Look, we're in a declining economy right now, which brings tension. And I always say, look, if you're an employer and you need to know this, whatever's going on in the world is actually happening inside your company because workplace culture is just a microcosm of what's going on in the world around us. So in the world around us, you got rising interest rates. You got people worried about jobs. Can they find a job? Can they keep a job? You got cost increasing. Are they going to be able to make enough money? And they're taking all of these angst and fears. You got COVID. You got health concerns or kids behind in school if they they have a family due to COVID. So you have all of these pressures all at the same time you're expecting them to get their job done. That's going to lead to some misconducts, emotions, and anytime emotions get involved, that leads to, you know, some situations. And so those are really the top three that we see on a weekly, daily basis that we address. And now a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, 
we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now back to our discussion. Can you give us kind of a, a quick thumbnail description of harassment and, and then maybe bullying? Harassment, you know, and the sexual harassment is using your position of power or any type of physical or intimidation, touching or threatening of touching or coercion based on a sexual nature to someone else. The easy way to think about sexual harassment, I'm a manager or someone's a manager, they have an employee and they say, hey, if you want this promotion, you need to go on this date with me or you need to go home with me or a quid pro quo type of situation. That's kind of the easy way to think about harassment, sexual harassment. Bullying can be a way where, hey, someone is repeatedly yelling at the person or bullying them into a way to constantly do things. And it could be email. It could be cyberbullying as well. This occurs inside companies, just like it does with kids on Instagram or Twitter or whatever the case is. It can actually occur inside a company that cyberbullying. Hey, it could be constantly peppering an individual to see where they are with something in a bullying way. It can be yelling at someone or degrading them or belittling them in a way that is not conducive to the vision or mission of that company's values and being disrespectful to that person. So it could take on a lot of forms. And this is where we see those microaggressions that occur. It's not maybe just one single thing that is mm -hmm. bullying, but it's the aggregate of these microaggressions that are added up to create this bullying nature. And this is where toxicity lives. It's in those situations where a toxic culture has to be stopped. And if, if you have a toxic culture or toxicity, that is what's going to lead to more misconduct around the board. There's a new focus or maybe a renewed focus on DEI. Is that driving up some of the complaints that you're handling? You know, DEI, it's been interesting on diversity, equality, and inclusion. It absolutely is driving up the need for companies to figure out how do we become more diverse? How do we be more inclusive? How do we have more, whether it's equal pay or equal opportunity? And companies are really struggling with, okay, how do we do this, right? We can't just go hire more different races, different people, and think we solve the problem. Because no matter if you have a, the most diverse hiring practice, if you have the most inclusive affinity groups or different aspects to have inclusiveness, or you pay everybody the same, the thing that makes DE&I initiatives not stick or the root of the problem is toxicity. Because if you have toxicity, it doesn't matter if you're diverse or equal or have inclusiveness, it's not going to stick and it won't take hold. And that toxicity is what, it's the water to the Band-Aid that makes the Band-Aid come off, right? It's the stuff that strips the pain away from the house. And it just makes it into this ugly kind of culture. And so companies today, there's a huge focus on DE&I, which is great. It's awesome. I love it. And I think companies have to be focused in on that DE&I initiatives. But one of the things they have to ask themselves is, okay, once we put these initiatives down, 
how do we make sure it sticks? How do we make sure the culture is one where an employee can be heard if they don't agree with it? And we get reports of, hey, we have a diverse employment, but look at our board. It's nine white males. How is that diverse? And so you're seeing that in public companies today, more female representation, minority representation on board seats. And some companies will tout, oh, we're the most diverse company at all. But yet they're diverse. Their diversity is in the lower ranks, not in the higher ranks. Okay, so how do you do with that? And does this mean we promote diverse people because we need more diversity in managerials? You know, that's not what people are saying. They're saying is, hey, you have to give the opportunity for people to rise up through the ranks and make that happen. And that's where token diversity is not the answer for anything or token inclusiveness or token equality. You really have to be committed to make sure it happens. And so what we're seeing in the industry and the marketplace is absolutely DEI is a huge initiative and same with ESG, environmental, social and governments. Are you also seeing problems and, and do you also work in the public sector? Is, is that also a place where these same kind of issues come up and need to be handled? Yeah, absolutely. In the public sector, meaning both public companies and in the public government, municipalities. So we work with a lot of municipalities at WorkShield, both government defense and you know state and city municipalities as well. And so with that, look, every employer has the same issues. Whether you're big or small, everyone has the same issues. And it's just a matter of, do you have more than the other one? Now there's different industries as well. But when you think about the government sector or the public sector that's out there, you know, you think about police and fire. They are watched with the microscope, right? Everyone's watching what they're doing. Public figures, they're watching what they're doing. But you think about you know, the sanitation department, you think about the human resource department, the payroll department, different civil services, public services, parks and recreation within a, a public entity, you know, they all have different issues. That doesn't make them a bad entity. They just means people are human, right? People make mistakes. And there's also bad people out there. And that's okay. We just got to know how to deal with it. And so, we are seeing with public entities issues that occur, just like if they're a private company, and the same with public companies as well. Public companies have a different take, though, because they have shareholder value. And with shareholder value comes in, if they don't have a reign on their culture, it takes one tweet, it takes one Instagram post, it takes one little blurb in the ethosphere, in the internet to really drive that shareholder price down. But at the same time, you know, if you're an executive in charge of a public company, you got your hands full. And so you have to make sure those processes and systems are in place to make sure that culture doesn't bite you or that reputational risk or that woke or cancel aspect causes your company to go bankrupt. We've got just a minute left. What's the one piece of advice that you would give employers? You know, it's this. If you're really focused on culture, you're really focused on being innovative, you're really focused on being that employer of choice, the system's broken. 
having a, a simple hotline for people to call anonymously, that's not going to do it. You have to have a system in place that, yes, they have to be able to report anonymously. They need to raise their voice in a safe and psychologically safe manner. But you need to have someone that's really focused on investigating those issues from start to finish. And generally speaking, that's with the third party because that's where you're going to find the most effective use and the least timeline to get these all done. And then more importantly, you have to hold yourself accountable. And if you're committed to this, you have to be committed to take action when something does occur. And as long as you have those three aspects there, a safe place to report, ensure that it's going to be investigated and ensure a clear path to resolution and hold yourself accountable. I think you'll find those employers are the ones that are going to rise to the top and outpace everyone else in this market. Jared Pope, co-founder and CEO at WorkShield. Jared, thank you for sharing your expertise with our audience today. We appreciate it. Oh, awesome. I appreciate it, David. Thanks so much. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.